Skeptical Skeptics. I'm your host, RJ Metzger. And I am your other host, Rachel Metzger. And we are going to be sharing stories with you that have um, some explainable sides, some unexplainable sides, some accepted theories, some unaccepted theories, a little bit bit of tinfoil hat, a little bit of we think tinfoil hats are stupid. So, Yeah, we've just always really been into stories that have mysteries behind them or maybe unknowns. Um, or unexplained things. Well, just but we've the... also kind of always fallen in the middle of the official reason behind it and the crazy cuckoo side. Right, and I just think that at the end of the day, you just have people who are too willing to put, like, to accept the facts that are in front of them that but don't jive. then there are people that are way too fast to go on the complete opposite side of the spectrum and say it must be this crazy unexplained reason rather than the possible extremely normal one right in front of your face well that's what yeah that's what i was saying but sure anyway i made it sound better okay so hush anyway so that's pretty much what this is going to be about we're going to pretty much share anything that we think is interesting anything we think is cool um stuff that you know might be full mystery might be almost fully explained so well and sometimes we'll talk about stuff that probably everyone already knows about and then other times when we talk about some really crazy out there bizarre stuff that we've never even heard of just keep it fresh. So, yeah. And just overall, it's just going to be stuff that we like to hear about. And it could go anything from true crime to Bigfoot to aliens to whatever it may be. So hopefully that's something you are into. And if we... not, you can go away. That's fine. It, I mean, it really is kind of fine. So today I'm going to go from a more historical perspective, um, something called the Sea Peoples. So I haven't heard about this a the lot. Sea Peoples. Yes. So obviously the first thing that you're probably thinking about is Atlantis, which of course we'll get Wait, to. Wait, hold on. I want to say this first. We do not tell each other about our stories beforehand because we want to kind of make it like we are the listeners. So I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So we will try to uh, record kind of our own uh actual responses to these stories and then that way hopefully one of us at least is um playing the role of you know asking the obvious question um however we would definitely encourage if you jump into the comments and ask us questions or reach out to us on twitter um we'll be available that way as well and if we totally blew one of the stories we can do a part two um after we get feedback so we want to encourage that kind of interaction but be nice to me because i'm I'm really sensitive, so I'll cry. She is, and she will cry, and then I have to deal with it. And then I'll also yell. Yeah, well, but the yelling will be at me, probably. So, anyway, so the Sea Peoples. Um, So, what the Sea Peoples were, were, and this is widely accepted, they were a confederacy of naval raiders in the Mediterranean region between 1276 and 1178 BCE. I need you to, like, people that for me. Like, what does it mean? Take it out of, like, government speak, put it into human speak. Okay. So, it's just a group of folks that navally raided places 3,000 years ago. So, these are basically pirates. Yeah, they're like land pirates. Ah, sea people sounded way cooler. That's why they don't go by the land pirates of 3,000 BC. I thought it was, like, mermaids who came out of the sea and attacked. No, I wish that we had any, like, historical record of that, Uh, but... If anyone who ever listens to this, which could be no one, if anyone has anything about mermaids, please, please send it to me. Well, I mean, there... I would love to make an episode all about mermaids. Okay, there's stuff about mermaids. Because mermaids are real. So this is the cool part about the Sea Peoples, is that they're very well documented as far as a mystery goes. Um, And they also had a large impact. So that's a really cool part. So, like, don't get me wrong. Mermaid's cool, but not a huge impact. Uh, But anyway, these people had no proof of that. I do. Uh, If I saw a mermaid... Lack of proof is proof. That would make a huge impact. But not to a whole country, which is what these people did. So they raided um, Egypt, the Hittites, and the Mycenaean Greeks um, of the time, which is a huge impact. Um, Now, the Mycenaean Greek invasions, those are up for debate, which we'll talk about later. Uh, But they definitely, like, they were most recorded in Egyptian history um, as posing a large threat to Egypt, which is obviously a, a feat. So... The problem with this is the Egyptians mostly recorded them from a battle perspective, not as, like, a cultural perspective. So, like, um, they recorded, you know, how they beat them and what the consequence of them beating them was. And, oh, we should celebrate because we kicked their ass type of thing. Not mm-hmm. really, like, who they were or what they were about, right? So okay. there's a couple things behind this. One is that's really interesting from the fact that since no one saw that it was, like, relevant to say where they came from, that means they were really prevalent in the region, right? So. Yeah. 
the texts and the stuff that uh they wrote they wrote this down on so like for for instance even one of the pharaohs put in his own funerary note right like oh i defeated the sea peoples which was a big deal right right so he claimed that as such a big deal but didn't find it necessary to say where they came from which is right. like a big indicator that like everyone reading that funerary note for x amount of time after would have been like yeah we get it that's that's a big deal right, right? well it's kind of like like if you think of it more modern if we were like attacked by the British or something, we would not. Right, we wouldn't go into their history. We wouldn't feel the need to because we feel like everyone knows who they are. Exactly. Or if we were, or if someone was attacked by, um, what are they called? You know, SEAL Team Six or whatever. Like no one would be like, yeah, this is where they came. Where from. Where are these guys come from? Everyone knows well, where they came and from. That's actually a really good analogy and really cool because that's exactly like. And to add to the mystery of it is someone as established as the British, if they were to up and vanish from history, must have been a big deal, right? Yeah, that's um, because my references are insane. Uh, on yeah, everyone on knows this about me. Exactly, um, which is almost a quote that we can't use, but but okay. hey, I did it. I made it. I mixed it up. So we anyway, can. so um, one of the notes read. Um, and this is from Ramses's funeral or one of his uh, war recordings. Anyway, mm-hmm. it says they came from the sea in their warships and none could stand against them. Right. So this type Damn, of yeah, that's so awesome. this type of description is typical of Egyptian references to these mysterious invaders. Right. OK. So um, the names of the tribes which comprise the sea peoples, according to one of the Egyptians records or actually all the Egyptian records. These are all the names that um go to them the Sherdan, the shekelesh the luka the tersha and the akawasha so the weird thing about this is it's very specific while at the same time having almost no references elsewhere so no one has been able to link up what these things mean outside of these singular references now everyone not everyone but the people studying this like they have their theories right hey this must mean this but it's nothing set in stone okay um, so their origin and identity has been su- suggested and debated to be Etruscan, which we'll talk about them. Um, so Trojan, um, Italian, uh, Philistine, Philistine, Mycenaean, uh, even Minoan. So I'll talk about all those and, and the implications behind them. Uh, but m- pretty much everything is going to be conjecture. There's no hard proof of this. Okay. Okay. So quote unquote, sea peoples is actually a modern day designation. Uh, first corn- coined by a French Egyptologist uh, in 1881. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reports pretty much just said they came from the sea or from quote the islands, uh, but they never said which sea or which islands. So sea peoples is a modern uh, term, uh, but okay. it definitely just it represents what what they said of them back then. Um, so the three great pharaohs who recorded their conflicts and victories over the sea peoples were Ramses the second. Um, he was the one that uh, dealt with Moses, like that mm-hmm. was that Ramses, right? Right. Um, and then there was his son and successor Meremptiva. Meremptpa, 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 Meremptpa. Are you done? I had a stroke. Um, and then Ramses the Third, which is a lot easier. <laughs> that poor Meremptpa. Well, he was the thirteenth son, apparently. Yeah, so, it's just they just got the point where they're like, we can't even do this anymore. Meremptpa. Like, uh, I don't know what the hell. Yeah, Meremptpa. Meremptpa. <laughs> anyway. Um, so all three of these pharaohs claimed great victories over their adversaries and um, their inscriptions provide the most detailed evidence of these sea peoples, right? So Ramses II, he's the one with uh, the Moses fame. Wait, I'm sorry. Are, is it Ramses II or like Ramses II? Because Ramses II sounds like Terminator II. It is. So it's actually, and this is a fact, uh, Ramses II was his title. Ramses II. That's what they called him? Huh? Is that what they called him? Ramses II? No, Ramses II. No, Ramses II is the lame play slash movie of the times that they would play uh, for the people. About him? Yeah, but here's the thing. Everyone hated it. It's like modern sequels. <laughs> they were like, oh, boo. I want to see Ramses. <laughs> <laughs> Ramses original. Right? It's not like Terminator 2 where people are like, T2 is better than the original Terminator. No, this right. is like... This is like, uh, you know, one of the other ones. Like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2. If someone says Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest, I do believe, is their favorite movie. They're psychopathic. The fact that you even know that it's called Dead Man's Chest is, is pretty I'm impressive. I'm not certain, but me. I'm pretty sure it is. Wait, no. I feel like I have to think of a really bad... What's a really bad sequel? Uh, Boondock Saints 2. And I might get people mad at me, oh, but I thought it was god Oh, snap. You're about awful. to start some stuff. 
There you uh, go. That's Ramsey's too. Yeah, Ramsey's, Ramsey's too. too is Boondock Saints. Too. Yeah, but he made it to the Bible. Or any so movie, any movie where they don't bring back the original characters and they think they can just call it two. Exactly. That's Ramsey's too. Yeah, that's Ramsey's too. So anyway, uh, because that is confusing because you're saying it like Ramsey's will be here again. Or but that's not. It's like Ramsey's T O O Ramsey's too. Right. So it's just like, well, we have Ramsey's. We got Ramsey's. But too. it's not like Terminator, and then Terminator Two is like Terminator's baby. It's Terminator again. So can you imagine going out there and being like, Ramsey's 2? We're going to see Ramsey's again? And then you get on there and you're like, who the hell is this guy? It's just this other dude. Anyway, so... Disappointment. Ramsey's the second. uh, Secured borders against um, invading nomadic tribes um, and secured trade routes, uh, which was vital to their economy. So early in his reign, the Hittites, uh, which was a other kingdom that was against them, seized Mm -hmm. the important trade center Kadesh, uh, which is in modern-day Syria. Okay. Um, in 1274, Ramses led his army to drive those Hittites out, claiming a massive victory over them. However, this victory is challenged by the Hittites because their records say they were also victorious. So both of them were just kind of, you know, participating in hubris, which is annoying from a historical record standpoint. Um, but anyway, so in the account um, are the Sea Peoples. This is one of their first mentions. Um, they were listed as allies to the Hittites. However, it was also listed... Um, that they were in the Ramsey's army serving as mercenaries, right? Hmm. And again, well-known, not introduced. Just, hey, here were the pe- these people. They were in my army. The they same were old dudes army. you've known this whole time. Exactly. Right. So um, it's kind of like, you know how Marvel uh, put together all those damn prequel movies introducing every hero? Yeah, these guys got no prequels. This is, well, no. It's like the prequels were so understood that they were like, well, we're not going to put everyone's origin story in Avengers. No, or it's just like if they took all the people who've already read the comics and were like, here's Avengers. Because That's everyone true. who's read the comics would be like, yeah, we know all their backstories. We don't need to know who they are. Exactly. And but then all those of us like lost. now yeah. are like the ones who have never seen or read the comics. Exactly. So anyway. Um, so, yeah. It relates that he defeated oh yeah so another account that he had of them was that he defeated them in a naval battle off the coast of egypt right so in this battle it was noted that um he lured their force um into the nile by baiting them with a small version of his own force once they got into the nile his full attack force sprung and attacked them right but here's the thing Egypt was definitely well-known if these peoples weren't, right? So to have the audacity to attack Egypt, which is the first instance of them doing it, but they do it over and over again, means that they knew they had numbers, they had skill. It's they a ballsy had, move. Right, it's a ballsy move. So um, anyway, uh, in that account, uh, it noted them as the, quote, Sheridan Sea people, which we'll talk about the Sheridan later. But here's what's interesting. It mentions them by name because they were pressed into... Um, the Egyptian service becoming elite bodyguards, um, which again denotes very massive skill, right? Anyway, so that's Ramsey II. Um, he dealt with them at Kadesh. And then this is Marimptpa. Marimptpa. Uh, um, he had trouble with the people um, as they allied with the sea people, as they allied with the Libyans in, invasion, in an invasion of the Nile Delta mm-hmm. um, in the fifth year of his reign, which was 1209 BCE, right? So a long time ago. Uh, the Libyans and the Sea People came from, quote, the seas in the north and the lands of Equish, Teresh, Luca, Sheridan, and Shekelesh, which no known areas, right? I'm so glad you're, you have this story and not me. I would be butchering. butchering. I probably am anyway. So much worse than you are. Yeah, but anyway, so um, he described them as formidable and he was proud to defeat them, right? And so whenever you mark something on your funerary, like, it's got to be a big deal. Um, and in a large battle, it's noted that he killed over 6,000 of them. Uh, which was marked as a great victory. That's a huge army for the time. Right. Um, also, an inscription that mentioned them also has, this is just an interesting tidbit, the first mention of Israel uh, ever. So it mentioned them as uh, these people couldn't um, stand up to them and neither could Israel and neither could whoever and neither could the Hittites and neither could, neither could this. But it was the first mention of Israel um, as well as the Sea Peoples, which was really interesting. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, Maremptpa very uh, boldly claimed that they were dealt with, uh, but they actually returned again. So Ramses back, the third, bitches. yep. Uh, Ramses the third um, saw the Sea Peoples rise up and attack and destroy the trading center of Kadesh, which is what we talked about earlier, Kadesh, mm-hmm. um, and then attempted another invasion into Egypt. 
so Ramsey's III mentioned that this was a huge deal. Uh, they were raiding up and down the coast, um, and he said that he defeated them in 1180 BCE. Um, and in his victory inscription, he mentioned that uh, he mentioned a couple lands that they came from that might refer to Syria or Palestine. But this is one of the few things that they could actually tie to another known land. Yeah. Um, but it's not certain. It's it's a very roundabout mention. Anyway, so the Sea People were again united with the Libyans for this attack. Um, and what's interesting about this is they had already brought down the Hittites to start their attack on Egypt. And it was mentioned that they were... Uh, marching to egypt unopposed in other words like they were just going through these ancient civilizations that we know of like very very well documented like very powerful civilizations on their way to egypt um so ramses iii used his archers to beat off the sea invasion by uh shooting them until like the sailors were all dead and then they would launch like fire arrows to catch these boats on fire um and then he focuses uh attack on the land forces. So they were defeated finally at the city of Zoas, Joas, X-O-I-S, in 1178 BCE. It's very difficult. Um, So even though Egypt won, it was a very expensive war um, and actually led to the first labor strike in history. So a lot of Egypt's soldiers said, screw this, and they walked off the job until they were paid. Um, But after this, they disappeared from history. So um, that was the last known mention of the sea peoples right even Mm -hmm. though they were a great power in the mediterranean so what's interesting is egypt never followed them home never raised the land so these people were people elsewhere and we have no record of them right wow so here's the mystery behind it um the invasions were mentioned as being very large in numbers and surprising which uh kind of denotes that not only were they in the area and they had a strong presence in the area, uh, but they were also largely friendly with the Egyptians, it would seem like, for most of their time. So some of the theories, here we go, um, was that they were nomadic raiders and bands and that the quote-unquote sea people were just a general term used for any number of nomadic bands, right? Okay. Another theory is that they were Philistines uh, from the Bible. Another theory is they were from Crete, which has the Minoans. So the Minoans in Crete, um, and we'll probably do a full Atlantis episode, but um, they are widely believed what... So so Atlantis, right, was a fictional work of... Uh, it was a work of fiction, right? Right. But the Minoans were widely believed to be the subject matter. Um, and these people might be them. Uh, also might be the Etruscans, which the Etruscans were... Uh, they predated the Romans. Um and also, still, they left behind an alphabet that we can't decipher to this day. So, very, they were very, um, what's it called, sophisticated. They were very learned. They had an alphabet, and we still don't know very much about them. Very mysterious. Right. Um, another thought was that they were ancient Romans, uh, that they were Mycenaean Greeks. So, from the era of the Iliad and the Odyssey, which we'll talk about a little bit, too. Um, and the theory behind that was that maybe they were fleeing internal destruction. So, at the same time that all these... Uh, invasions were happening there's a lot of signs in greece that there was a lot of infighting and so you could have had people say you know what screw greece we're gonna go out and just go see the land right yeah see what we can take there's also a thought they were the balkans fleeing famine that they were sicilians that they were trojans which were ancestors to the etruscans because that was the one thing too etruscans didn't really rise until 8th century bce Mm -hmm. 400 years after all this so if they were the trojans could have been the predecessors to the Etruscans. Um, and there's some conjecture that there was like uh, the fleeing of Greece happened to line up with the Dorian invasion of Greece, um, and which would make some of the other Greeks flee the land, which could then become the Sea Peoples. There's also evidence of an Indo-European invasion, so uh, which would denote why the Sea People, quote-unquote Sea People, had um, a lot of land and buildings and stuff in the mediterranean was because they actually like moved down there permanently yeah a couple more interesting things um so the iliad right which is the battle of troy Mm -hmm. uh, as told by homer which is widely regarded as a piece of fiction might have been based off of these people um because the the city of troy could have been equated to uh the hittites and uh egyptians and then mycenaean greeks would then be the people who invaded troy so the battle you know the with the Trojan horse, etc. So it could have been off of that. And then the Odyssey, which we'll, you'll know is uh, based on the return from the Trojan War, could have been based off of them returning from these conquests. Um, 
and also symbolizes conflicts with the East in the sense that Zeus fight against fought against Typhon, which was widely which is widely regarded to be a representation of the Hittites, mm-hmm. and also one of their lands, Cilicia. Um, was also surrounded by the Hittites. So it wouldn't be a stretch to say that they would have fought the Hittites and then moved on to fight the Egyptians. Um, so one of my main sources for this um, was one article, which I'll put in the liner notes. Uh, but in general, of course, then the thought would then turn to the Atlantan, Atlantis, right? So Atlantis, very interesting. I'm sure we'll do an episode on it. But the main thing behind it is that it is widely regarded as a work of fiction. Um, but... It was probably predicated on something. It could have been these people. So as far as the implications of these quote-unquote sea peoples, um, something I find super interesting is the thought, again, like Rachel said, like if the British were to invade and we wouldn't find any need to explain where they came from, but then they up and vanish from history. Like these people were clearly advanced. They clearly had a lot of civilizations, had a lot of power. And so what they could have contributed to the history of the world like we'll never know or they did contribute it to the history of the world and it's almost like a cameo appearance by another uh group of people so either which way that's a very interesting story it's interesting that these people just show up kick ass and leave and nobody knows where the hell they went and nobody cares to tell us where they came from some other pretty interesting things i think would be the implications of um if they were the uh what's it called the inspiration behind the Iliad and the Odyssey. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really cool idea to me that, um, you know, we have these huge works of fiction, like, widely considered the first, uh, you know, Western story that was told. Right. Um, and it's about something that also linked us to the East. Because I think that's the big thing, right, is you have this, uh, you have this separation of the West and the East and the thought that these Western figures, these um, Zeus-worshipping people... Um, had that close of a tie to Ramses in biblical terms and, you know, could have been one of the quote unquote bad guys of one of the biggest, you know, uh, civilizations we know of, one of the oldest and most powerful civilizations we know. Like, it's a really cool idea. That is really cool. And it's cool to think about, like, I remember reading the Odyssey when I was like 14 and like it, it just came, it was just a book to me. It was just like, it was just fiction. So right. It's interesting to look back on it and I mean, it's just a story of a cyclops and sirens. And right. All there was stuff. nothing about it to me that seemed concrete or that could possibly be anywhere connected to our history or real life in any way. Right. But then you see like these ties. And then that also gets the cool part of it going, right? Like, so if that was actually tied to real life events, which people have tried to tie it over forever, right? Right. Then what, I mean... Were all the trials that the Odyssey was about, were they all made based up on, for or fun? Were they all based you know, off of something? something? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. Also, like we think of armies or like big military forces, and they're always from these big important countries, right? They're always from the U.S. or from Germany or from England or whatever, right? Like that's what we think about when we think of these badass people who come and invade countries and kill people and all those things but these guys like just kind of came out of nowhere and just decided to start i mean kicking ass by what we know that's what it sounds like it just sounds like these guys just like showed up said you know we're gonna fight you and then did it really well to like people who were highly established with established armies or militaries yeah i mean that's like literally very similar to something like the u.s being set up and then Canada, which are like the Hittites, are like, yeah, let's let's attack, and we're joined by this random tribe of people that we all know they about. Just show up, like, and they're like, yeah, we're ready to fight, right? And like, and, and it strikes the fear in the heart of the U.S. You know, right. like because like, that's what that's would the it take to part. do that to like right to look at Egypt and Egypt says, yeah, we're we're afraid of these people. You know, they pose a, a threat. Like that, it's just such an interesting thought um, that a, that a people that we literally don't have their history could scare something that we do have it's kind of like um when the people in the u.s created the militia to fight against the redcoats right and it's just like these random dudes that are farmers and have normal jobs and do normal things and they just come out and and fight for our freedom and are awesome you know and it's like that's kind of where it feels like that starts from obviously that one was bigger and much more terrifying but it's just interesting to think that because in our eyes, it's like military starts with 
the government that's already established and with all of these highly trained men who then highly who then train other men and things like that when actually it could be just a bunch of dudes ready to kick ass and take names. Drink milk and kick ass and they're all out of milk. I already drank all my milk. Exactly. All right. What's your story? Okay. Story time. All right. So today I'm going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch, which for me, Skinwalkers, I remember the first time I heard about them. I mean, I kind of knew about them, but like legitimately heard about real stories about them was in college with a girl we knew whose family lived like in this area, right? Mm-hmm. And she told us stories from her family and like the people they knew. And it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I had nightmares because I was so freaked out. So it's like skinwalkers to me are really, every time I think about it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And she showed me this one video on YouTube. I don't know if it's real, but it scared the crap out of me. What was the video? Uh, it's like they're in a car and they... No, so that was actually, I know that video. It was, it was released that it was from like a B horror film. I'm sure, but it stuck with me. Yeah. Like, it's when I think about Skinwalkers, I think about that. So yeah, so it was like a, a thing. Oh, so anyway, one of the interesting stories about Skinwalkers that she's talking about, so we do have a lot of friends from that area um, of Utah, and um, one of them, you know, told this story, and how they might actually listen to this podcast, so I hope I don't butcher it, but essentially, uh, there, his stepdad, stepdad? Yeah, stepdad. His someone. Yeah. Um, is a park ranger, right? So super quiet. Like I've maybe heard the dude say 10 words in the whole time I've known him and uh, really stoic. But if you ask him to tell a story, like he's like a, I don't know, 250 pound, like huge, like six foot something dude. Um, and like this fear just kind of like goes through him and he gets rigid and he doesn't like talking about it. And it's really weird. But uh, yeah, being a park ranger. So one night Stark is on the highway and um trying to drive away his truck won't move so this is pretty common with skinwalker lore not not going to be talked about in the skinwalker ranch really because that's very interesting but like the skinwalker lore is like they can move as fast as a horse or as fast as a car but anyway so his truck won't move um and so he starts you know to get like weirded out and uh he looks in his rearview mirror and there's a guy holding the truck right so he punches it and the truck is actually doing a burnout and he still can't go. And then the dude, like, just smiles, lets the truck mm. go. Truck takes off. Um, and the person who told the story is, like, at this point, like, really, really shaken up. So he's booking it out of there. And uh, he actually looks. And the dude is keeping up with his truck and just kind of, like, toying with him. Um, and then lets him go. So that is... Uh, he is actually so scary. So I know it's a simple story. I know it sounds ridiculous. I do get it. But like, when put yourself in those shoes, that is right. terrifying. And when, if and when you see somebody who's telling you a story and like they have like pure fear. Um, and, and to give you the context of this type of fear, uh, we actually got, uh, we were headed back to Utah for one of their family members' weddings. And uh, we had a flight that came in at like four o'clock in Albuquerque. And, um, the guy who told the story, his wife was the one driving us and he bought us a hotel room so that we could stay somewhere until light in order to complete our drive because he was that afraid right. of us driving through these lands. And well, this is night. like a big deal. This isn't just him. This is like anyone who's lived in that area or been around there. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's like life that way and it's life changing stuff. It's like, we will invest money like like for in his instance to you know for a hotel room to or avoid for, to avoid through there going through night. here at night yeah so and it's one of those things Ugh, that, that gives me chills yeah like a lot of people just like have that pure like real fear you know it's i mean it, it's literally looked at like the same as walking through a place where you know you'll get mugged right like it's the same type of or like, reality for you them. know murdered yeah anyways so yeah, I have always been super, not always, ever since I've known about skinwalkers, I've been super into them and pretty much terrified. So a lot of you know about the Skinwalker Ranch, right? There's a movie about it. I've never seen that. I have not either. I kind of feel like we should, but I'm terrified because nightmares. So um, first we're going to talk about obviously the legend of the skinwalker. Anyone who has never heard of a skinwalker or doesn't know like exactly the origin of a skinwalker it comes from the navajo tribe and uh in it is defined as a type of a of harmful witch 
who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as animals. They usually possess or become trickster animals, and that's normally coyotes. There's obviously other animals they can be, but that's the ones that, for some reason, trickster, I mean, skinwalkers attach to. And they are normally associated with bad omens and death. Not good things. They're not, not it even, like, specified not associated with medicine and healing. Skinwalkers are only associated with bad. So the ranch was It has also been known as Sherman Ranch, or as many people call it, around there, the UFO Ranch. Uh, It's around 512 acres, and it is near Ballard, Utah. I don't know where Ballard is. But according to locals, the land has been a hotbed of strange activity since the 50s, and um, any local that you talk to around there, like we were talking about, will, will not step foot onto the land because of all the activity that goes on around there. So it's pretty creepy. Um, It first became popular in the news in 1994 when a family, which was the Shermans, they purchased the land and lived there, and they started reporting some crazy stuff. So first, um, when they first moved into the house, they noticed that there were deadbolts on all of the windows and doors. And on some of the windows and doors, there were deadbolts on the inside and on the outside. Which I think, like, when you move in, what would you think when you saw that? Like, you'd walk in and... Because these people obviously had to have no idea. Right. They could not have lived on that land beforehand. They could not have been like, oh, we've heard all about this. Because since the 50s, this is 1994. Right. And I think it was one of, the, one of the things about that was like he was just trying to like take a stab at the dark at like raising cows or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so because like, he had no idea. So can you imagine like buying this land, being pumped? Like, yes, we have this new sweet piece of land. I'm going to raise these cows. And you walk into this house and you're just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Well, and that, that would be the like. It's such a simple but strange, like, how in the hell do you explain whether it's a serial killer, whether it's something, like, supernatural, it doesn't matter to me. Like, if you walk up to a place and it has deadbolts on both sides of a door. Right. Like, that is well, the and, weirdest. Well, and, like, deadbolts on your windows. Yeah. Having a deadbolt on even more than other, other than just your front door, to me, would be like, huh, that's a strange thing. And then going around and realizing their own windows and saying, huh, that's, like, hella strange. And then realizing there's inside and outside, I'd be like, okay. I made a mistake. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm in for, but it's no good. <laughs> well, and the, the big Time one to, to go. me is like, deadbolting on the inside literally just is to captive, like keep someone captive, right? So Right. Like, what just, else would you have that for? They're, just unsettling. Or like you were so afraid of whatever is out there that you want to work really hard to keep yourself in. I don't know. I don't like it. So, oh, they also found large chains around the outside of the house which appeared to be to hold down heavy and large animals terrifying okay so while they lived on the ranch the family experienced multiple cattle mutilations crop circles hearing voices calling from nowhere inanimate objects moving before their eyes ufos and seeing strange birds and other animals on the property which i feel like is a weird one like what would you specify as a strange animal? <laughs> you're like, you're like just, you're, <laughs> you're chilling. And you're like, is that goddamn ostrich? <laughs> like, oh my god, no! Like, what is the strangest? Is that animal? a seagull? Well, what is the seagull doing? Well, here? that's the state bird of Utah. That's St- a bad you example. know what I mean, though. Like out in the desert. But, but yeah, like that's the weirdest. Like, what what would you have to see to categorize it? Like, like a lion? Komodo dragon? What I, if I it would it would seeing a lion be enough to right. be like this is, is a, weird? Is that a goddamn panda bear? Like what is that panda? What's what's in my what's in my garbage? Is that is a, a red panda? It's a red panda. That'd be the cutest surprise of all time. No, also, yes. what what would you consider a strange bird? I don't know enough birds to call right. a strange bird. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I could see any bird in front of my face, and I would assume that's just a normal bird. Well, here's the best part: like nothing really is saying that Sherman is more qualified to say that something's strange or not. So, like, he could have right. just been like a seagull. That guy went to a town and bought. 500 acres of land without talking to a single human being beforehand to find out, hey, why is this gorgeous 500 acres of land completely desolate? Why is no one living here? I'm pretty sure talk to one person and they would answer that question for you. So I'm not going to say Sherman seems like much of the authority on anything. Also, what like crop circles. Can we talk about crop circles for a second? What's the point of crop circles? 
Okay, so... What's our deal with crop circles? I think the real, like, the answer that tinfoil hat people would want to give, so the answer I would like to give, is uh, that it is a way for aliens to communicate. I think it's such bullshit. Like, Why would they only do it in crop areas? Well, not only that, but you it's just like... You could literally do that what? in any form of grass. Well, if you have the audacity to go and just, like, put a dick pic, right, like, right. out somewhere like why wouldn't you just come say hi like to to a camera of some sort like it just doesn't well why wouldn't you just come down like why would your version of do they expect us to fly to their planet and Although, find a circle of land and then and then us put a weird symbol in it to say hello back if, is that if i were doing an episode on this which i'm sure we will in the future of course i would have to do more research but i did see this one thing about how um there's a guy from like 1967 like well before you know photoshop and all this stuff has he has a video short clip of his field bright lights and a crop circle appearing out of nowhere okay and it takes like 10 seconds to happen okay and like supposedly people have looked at it and said it's not doctored so that's cool we'll have to look into it but But in general but like i'm not even asking like about crop circles because legitimately if this giant thing just appeared in your crop in your giant field of crops, obviously you would assume that. Like, what what the hell else is going to make that? If there right. was a dude out there with, like, a giant lawnmower, you would hear it for, like, well, no, 17 so was... hours. But hold on. Like, my point is, why do we think aliens are doing this? Because it seems right. very weird and very pointless. Right. Well, the, so that was the, that's the big thing about crop circles, right, is that uh, it was, like, traced back to... There was no reports of crop circles until these dudes started doing them as pranks. So that's the thing is like the biggest problem with them. So like they'll right because they'll take these two by fours with sticks. Have you ever seen this? No. Oh, okay. So like what they'll do is they'll take two by fours with like um, straps on each end, and then they walk in a circle with this two by four, and that's how they that's how they did this. Okay, wait. I want to know who the first guy was that was like, "Hey guys, you want to go mess with old man Hickory over there?" Yeah. No, that was literally like, yeah, what it was. What do you want to do? I want to mess with his crops. I don't want to destroy a bunch of them. I just want to, like, make weird symbols in it. Right. And here's the, that like... That sounds hilarious, bro. Right. And uh, wh- how, well, what's it going to look like? Like a, a dick and balls? Like, no. <laughs> here, here, here's, the, here's the ballsiest part of it all. It's going to be a random geometric shapes that are actually... What? That's sick. That are actually borderline beautiful. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? It's the weirdest prank of all time. Best prank ever. Also, that's a lot of effort. For like, well, why don't we just light some dog shit on, on fire and put it on his porch? No, man. We've no. done that already once. No, that's not. We need to step up our game. After what he did on Tuesday? No. We need to step up our game. We're get, we got to step it up. Anyways, crop circles. I don't get it. Okay, so in one, this this is one of the things the family reported happening. In one instance, the family saw a wolf attacking one of their cattle they shot the wolf multiple times with a handgun, and the wolf did not react to the gunshots, gunshots at all and appeared unharmed while it continued to attack the cattle. Eventually, after being shot six times, the wolf ran off and entirely vanished. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite Skinwalker Ranch stories because... Like, That's either, like, <laughs> the most bomb-ass wolf of all right. time. Like, I'm... I don't care. Do, it, do like, your so best. For, for shits and giggles, let's say it happened, right? Okay. And... Like, you're just straight chilling, like, having a good day outside. You're like, oh, no, my cow. And then there's this dang wolf. And so then you start shooting at it. Like, wouldn't, like, at the fourth bullet, like, they made it to six bullets. Mm -hmm. Like, at what bullet would you just be like, yeah, it's clearly not having an effect. Like, it's just not, this isn't working like bullets. Right? Like, it's just, when do you run? Also, though, to be fair, like, if this really did happen, wolves do not normally do this by themselves. Like, they're pack animals. Right. Especially going up to a, even if it's cows, like, even going up to a herd of cows, what friggin' insane-ass wolf is like, I'm gonna gonna take on all these cows by myself. Right. So, even if he couldn't, couldn't take all six shots, I still, that's a messed up wolf in my book. I just love that he was, like, taking the hits, you know, and then, like... All right, I'm tired of this. Yeah, it just kind of gives him, like, the, all right, respect. Like, it's almost like instead of being shot, he's being poked. Yeah. Like, man, this is annoying. This is This is super... All right, I'm done. I'm I'm out. This this cow ain't worth it. This cow is not worth my time. Exactly. And then in another instance, the family said that they saw their field lit up as if by football stadium lights. Where were these lights coming from? How would you give me no description? Did you look up at any point? I'm sure that's what they're getting at, yeah. But... 
Like, that's all they said. Yeah. But, like, from the sky? I mean, it have to be, yeah. I know, but we need more than this. You can't yeah, just say that and then be there. like, meh. Oh, so, they'll get it. They'll get it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, they'll get well, it. Well, at the same we time. from, like, a big UFO. No, but on, on, the, on the flip side, though, right? Like, without speculating, like, if you walked out and your shit was lit the fuck up and you can't see from where, like, that's, I mean... How else would you report it, right? Like I would report it by like eighteen sentences of probably saying the same thing because I'd want people to fully understand. No, like you don't understand exactly the insanity of what happened to like, me. I could have played a game of sport <laughs> out in the dead of night. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Anyways, the Shermans. I don't know though. By then, maybe he was just done. Maybe he was just like. Well, also, maybe he's just the worst storyteller of all time. He's you know? not good at telling birds apart. Right. He doesn't okay. seem to be good at almost anything. Not really. So after two years, so by 1996, Sherman and his family unsurprisingly peaced. They were like, it was real. It was fun. It wasn't really fun. We're out. Okay. So then the land was sold to a man named Robert Bigelow. He bought the land because he was convinced of the stories he'd heard of um, mutilation of animals, tales of strange lights. Weird impressions made in grass and soil told by the previous owners. So Robert created a group called the National Institute for Discovery and Science, or I'm, I'm gonna, the NIDSCI. I'm going to say it like that. It might be said differently. Sorry. Uh, which was basically just a paranormal research group. There was actually a book written about the, whole, the place while Bigelow owned it where they reported seeing UFO sightings, Bigfoot-type creatures, crop circles, glowing orbs, and poltergeists. And I actually look on, looked on Pinterest, and I just put in Skinwalker Ranch, and they have a bunch of pictures of things seen there. And it's pretty sketchy. Like, it's some of the animals I saw in those pictures. Of course, they could be doctored. But the pictures are, like, crap. Pictures are, like, all blurry. And they're not. It's kind of terrifying. Hmm. So pretty creepy looking. Did you not see the story about the blue meanies? No. Does that not sound familiar at all? No. So first of all, worst name in the history of paranormal. The Blue Meanies. The Blue Meanies, right? So it sounds like a four-year-old. Yeah. So there's a story, and again, this is her story, so I didn't research it. I just know this from, from other stuff. But uh, like the guy gets out, like it's nighttime, and his dogs start chasing this blue light, right? Wait, is um, this Sherman? Do you know? Or yeah, is this- it's Sherman, okay. right? Um, so anyways, dogs start chasing these blue floating lights that seem to be sentient around his house. And they, like, take off after this blue light. And after a short while, like, he hears both of them, like, yelp. He's too scared to go out there, so he waits until morning, right? He goes out there. Maybe it's, like, three dogs. Um, he goes out there the oh, next I feel day. Like I have heard about this. Yeah, and they're, yeah. like, greasy spots. Like, that's all that's left of his poor little pups. Oh, poor baby. Yeah, so, first of all, poor pups. But second of all, again, Sherman, what are you good at, man? Like, you can't keep a cow alive. You You just say, you know what, dogs? Like... It's been real, but like peace. Yeah, like I'll, I gotta wait till morning because the the floodlights aren't on my house today, and I, I'm too scared to get out there. Like there's so, no football game going on. Yeah, so. it's just yeah. I mean, so you're sol, right? Um, so yeah, there's like that one, and then there was like there's a girl that like wanders the woods. There's like these like babies in the river that like try to lure you into the river. Babies in the river, there's, like baby. Like if you go to the river. There's, There's little like, Moses babies floating around. Like babies that like cry at you and try to get you to go into the river to no save them. No point of no part of me would look into the river and see a baby in the river who's not like drowned at the bottom. But that's the point. Like that, I guess that's what they look like. No, but then they couldn't wouldn't be crying. They would they, be up at the they, top. Like, try to get you. They'd be like floating. Something. And if a baby was floating in the water, that's when Rachel would be like, "That's not a real baby." Real babies would sink like I a think freaking you would rock. Look for a baby. I would not. Real babies would sink like a rock. I don't know. They'd be down at the bottom. If I saw a baby down at the bottom of a river, then yes, I would go after that baby. But if there's a baby at the top of a river, like, please come save me. I'd be like, you're a demon baby or a witch baby. You'd get baby. that baby. I know you. I don't think I'd get that baby. You'd get that baby. I'm way too skeptical. you get the baby so fast. See, I'm a skeptical skeptic. Anyways, so thanks. thank you, RJ, for your fun tidbits. So, throughout the time that the NID SCI was there, there were over 100 events recorded by them. And these included UFO sightings, vanishing and mutilated livestock, large animals with piercing red eyes that were not hurt when shot with bullets, and invisible objects 
emitting destructive magnetic fields. So I have questions. Yeah. How do they know they were invisible objects? That's what I want to start with. I would guess because of the destructive magnetic field. Right, fields. but then you would just assume there's a destructive magnetic field. Like, why would you assume that something is emitting that well, and what if it, it must be invisible? So I haven't heard of this one. But what if it's like, oh, let's just walk through the woods. We're here at work. Nidzy. Like, Wham! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, jeez. You know? And, like, they're just like, my toe is it's annihilated. Like, it's like Mermaid Man parked his freaking... Yeah, exactly. What's it called The, the Mermaid... What was it? The Mermobile. No, that's not it. Invisible Boatmobile. Away! So yeah, what is happening? Like what? Like I, but what? But the way I see it instead is that they, they found these, this uh, evidence of destructive magnetic fields, and then decided had to be an invisible. There's invisible things out there, and like, how can you imagine that would be better? Because then they're walking around the land, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I prefer the uh, stub toe story, but that one's pretty good too. Where they're like avoiding stuff and trying to it, like it like looks like uh like Mission Impossible when no, he's going like... through all the all the what is it called you know the like red the the laser the beams, beams but when they're not actually no, there it's like Kronk with uh when he's carrying out <laughs> Cusco's body exactly okay so uh, in two thousand seven oh no wait I also want to talk about the live an- the large animals large animals with piercing red eyes. Which are like most animals. Right. My and little I, tiny dog specifically. used to have piercing red eyes. Yes. When she was definitely a skinwalker, hundred percent. Not surprising. Um, and not hurt when shot with bullets. Like I just love that they gave no description of any animal. The only description we get is the piercing red eyes. Does that mean they only happen to come out at nighttime? Like when else did this crazy animal that won't get hurt well, by maybe, bullets come maybe. out? Maybe. That was their main thing was like, No, it's daytime and these douches have piercing red eyes. Oh, but then they would have some kind of description of them because they would have seen them, right? More than just their eyes? Because if it was nighttime, you'd only see their eyes. Oh, large animals like the large wolf. Uh, there were multiple instances of seeing a wolf. We well, got yeah, wolves, but then they would say a wolf. And it's a just bear. a large animal. And Bigfoot. We well, yeah, already talked about the Bigfoot sightings. Yeah. Did a you? bear. Yeah, I said on here. Sighting. Bigfoot type creatures. Yeah. So maybe that's a... I mean, I would be pretty terrified of a large re- uh, animal with red eyes that I shot that was not affected. Or a bigfoot Also, I want to think about these animals, like with the wolf. Like when they shot them, was his reaction not as big as it should have been? Or did he not react? Or was at it all? not at all? Because that would be terrifying. Or it's just like you're a bad shot. Okay, but if you like watched them get hit and they just like oh, there was so in the wolf onward. story there was uh, what's it called uh. They said that like they were blowing chunks off of the wolf, and he didn't care. Can you imagine how terrifying? But also how badass that is. Yeah. Just the like, I got, I got cow to eat. Oh, do you hear? I uh, got time for this. Do you have in there like the origin of the curse of the land? No, just that it was Skinwalker territory. That it was where their yeah, so, tribe was, and there was evil Skinwalker witches that were there. Yeah. So the reason for that though was that, um, I guess way back like. I don't remember which war. But anyway, the Utes of the area um, partnered with the white man on some stuff. Right, yeah. And then the Navajos cursed the land because of that partnership. So then the Utes stopped going there because of how bad yep. the curse was. Yeah. All right, guys, isn't it awesome when RJ knows more about my story than I do? Super cool. I'm really prepared. Anyways, so in 2007, a secret unclassified government program called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, began investigating UFOs, and the program had a $22 million budget, and Robert Bigelow received most of that money, which is like, to me, tells me that obviously his findings... Were propelling. And also, also like, they saw them as actually scientific, that Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, you wrote down, like, I saw a a flying object. Right. I saw a large animal with red eyes. Like, they actually... They really did this scientifically. Otherwise, obviously. Also, I want to talk about... I I, I think we should have an entire episode about secret un- unclassified government programs. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Because I love them. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Anyways. So, one of the biggest reports from uh, Robert Bigelow was that none of 
the UFOs he ever saw matched any kind of military aircraft, current or older, obviously. Um, uh, this part's my favorite, ready? In 1966, so when he first started everything he was doing and he was funding it, Bigelow was rewarded a, it's called a Pegasus Award. It's like Pegasus, but it's spelled different. Award for funding the purchase of the land. The award was for, in the category of, a useless study of a supernatural, paranormal, or occult. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So in... In other words, the best reward he's ever gotten. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> you did this thing that was entirely useless. Here's Good your job. reward for it. Which kind of then says it's not useless, right? Yeah, you just got reward awarded for it, so... Yes. So, the uh, around the time that the government stepped in, the NIDSCI was disbanded. And he has, uh, Bigelow now has a, another program that's like for space travel. Um, and then in 2016, it was bought, the ranch was bought, sorry, he sold it. And it was bought by a private corporation called Adamantium LLC, whose origin is unknown. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, you're going to be like this like sketchy private company and you're going to call yourself Adamantium. That's awesome. It's pretty freaking cool. But so, also, it's very not like... Like, if you're trying to stand under the radar, you're doing a terrible job. Right. Um, so one of the cool parts about the Bigelow thing mm-hmm. was that... Uh, you don't have anything more on him in your notes, do you? Not on him, no. Yeah, so um, there was a program started in 2012 um, in Las Vegas that was about, like... It was essentially, like, all the Area 51 stuff that people, like, say is there. Like, yeah. Uh, it was for that. It was, like, Senator Harry Reid and um, Bigelow had, like, I wish I knew the figure. It was a, a shitload of money from the government yeah. um, to look into UFOs. And, okay. like, Harry Reid said, like, they had, quote, unquote, like, compelling evidence. And that was also Bigelow. Um, that was a part of this. Um, and it was from the... Um, Pentagon's like Black Fund, yeah, um, or whatever, and he it was also him. That's really cool. Yeah, so he he's pretty tied and ingrained in this stuff, and I think the thing behind that that makes it interesting is that his time with the NIDCI or whatever SCI mm-hmm. um, didn't deter them from using him for this other black program, right? You know I what think I mean? I would feel like it would compel them to use him right? well but that's the thing it's just like so he clearly must have, that's what i mean yeah, yeah like so he from what found he found another and... thing that was interesting was back when it was just his um personal program he yeah. was like oh we have all this evidence we have all this cool stuff right but once it became like government involved um he was like we actually have nothing nothing of substance we're shutting it down right yeah. and so like and now it's like owned by this adamantium corporation Which i freaking love but like the thing is like it's it's still like, they kept all the same stuff there. Right. It's still under, um, so people go up there now, and it still has, like, private security, like, government looking. Yeah, actually, that's yeah. the last thing I was going to talk about. Yeah. So, there actually used to be a public road that went through it. Right. And not only is it closed, but now it's guarded. So, that public road, that's where people would get, like, their whole, this is what I saw. Yeah, like, right. That, that was their you whole. drove through there. Right. Yeah. And now it's not only, yeah, not only closed, barricaded off, it's also guarded. Um, even though it's no longer, quote-unquote, like a military installation. Yeah, we have to have, like, an entire episode of government stuff. Of yeah. sketchy stuff the government has done and said. I'm sure we'll have multiple stories. Right, it, but yeah. just an episode would be cool. Yeah. Because think about what's going on. Think, like, if they felt the need to make him say that and to make him, because obviously we know he didn't do it himself, and make him disband his entire thing, what did he find? You know what I mean? Right. Well, and the big thing is, what did he find... That they then pursued to the point that now they can't have direct relation to it. Because that's my thing, is he found something before. Right. And then they said, okay, this is worth our time, but we can publicly say it's worth our time. Right. But then what did he find during that portion of time that was like, no, we can no longer be associated with this? Well, and not only what did they find, but if they feel like they can't be associated with it, what are they doing Doing with it? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So that's one of the things about Skinwalker Ranch. Like there's a lot of stuff that I think from the Sherman accounts that are like pretty bullshitty, you know? Yeah. Like they just sound like any run of the mill, like scary story. But the stuff that the stuff that, found. Yeah. And the stuff that makes it like substantive and interesting is the fact that like there are these government programs that are that well, are yeah. There. Why would the other go- the secret government program even show up in the first place? Right. If he wasn't finding anything, right? They just like thought he so. Was full of shit. And again, like to put it in perspective, that would be like 
if I were to walk up to the government today and be like, my house is so goddamn haunted, you guys are like, you guys should pay me to do whatever it is I'm doing in my house because it's so creepy. Yeah, right. Like, you have to put forth some pretty damn good evidence, you know? Yeah. And then keep that, because that's, that's almost, almost literally what it seems like happened. Well, know? and like, he was there, how you think about it, he was there from 1996 all the way to 2000, what was that, 2007 that they showed up? Yeah. So it was 11 years of research, research. before they showed up. Well, but- and it's one of those things, like, this place has been in the public eye for a while. So, yeah. like, it has to be so juicy right. that it's worth people wanting to go see it. Well, yeah, because when Sherman was talking about it, or even, like, I mean, like they said, the locals locals around there talked about it since the 1950s right. of the crazy stuff that happened. And then Sherman showed up, lived there, talked all about it. They still poo-pooed on him. And then Bigelow shows up, is there for 11 years, proves it enough. And then finally they say we need to be a part of it. And then they say we are no longer a part of it and neither are you. Right. And that to me is like, it's not like the stuff, I'm not here to believe the stuff just suddenly stopped happening. Well, and the big thing. Also, why would an organization buy that land off you yeah. all of a sudden? So then here's the, here's the fun part about any like Skinwalker Ranch discussion, I think anyway, mm-hmm. is okay, what do you think it is? I think it's. Do you think it's the curse? Do you think it's... So, like, one of the Um, things that people think is it's kind of like the reverse Bermuda Triangle, where instead of stuff going missing, it's like that's where weird stuff stuff appears. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say the Skinwalker aspect of it, to me, would make sense for a curse. Because if Skinwalker witches are there and are messing with stuff, and, and also if they put hexes on the land, then sure. But the rest of it, I wouldn't see how that would work out. Right. But I could believe some kind of idea that, like, same as, like, Area 51, that, like, there are probably certain parts, places of land, whether it be what's underneath the soil or just because of what's already happened there or whatever, that's more susceptible to that stuff than other places. Yeah, I mean, so, like I said, so there's the reverse Bermuda Triangle angle, right? Like, there's... For some reason, well, and that's the weirdest part, right? Like, okay, let's say it's aliens. Why the hell this area, right? Like the whole Skinwalker part, like makes maybe sense they to like me. it because it's like a desolate, a more desolate area. But it isn't. The aliens are more into it. Well, or maybe it's the critical mix of desolate enough that they're into it, but not so desolate you don't hear that anything. no one is there, right? Because right. they like, want the whole. Because if aliens are here, right? I'm not. This is not my debate of if aliens exist. My is this is my debate of if they're here. If they are here to see us and understand us. They obviously want... They want contact. Contact. But they don't want to go to New York City. Right. Right? Like, they don't... Not that they... I think they have an idea of New York City. But if they went there, that would... That's too much contact. That's like... You want it enough where you're going to be able to have a conversation... Or not maybe not a conversation, but have a connection, but not have it where everyone's trying to shoot you down out of your spaceship. So, my, my big thing is... Okay, there's like, what? Hundreds of stories you said, right? The thing about Skinwalker Ranch that's so interesting to me is, okay, what if one was real? Just one. That's only enough. the one that's enough yeah and it's like could all of them not be real also one of them has to be in order for scientific evidence and the government to prove I mean, that it funding, is funding man like i get it the government wants to blow some damn money but like i said it's 200 million dollars you can't just walk up and be like yo i trust you with this right like it just doesn't happen yep totally agree yeah so skinwalker ranch very interesting i'm sure we'll follow up on it someday um, we'll probably also do an episode about that whole Harry Reid Black project. Like, it's very interesting and also coincides with some other UFO stuff that came out. Um, but yeah, so pretty, that one's a pretty much like a bore, like a dead on skeptical skeptics story. It's one of those things where like, we believe some of the official stuff that comes out, but we don't, and we don't go full crazy. Like, we believe for sure you go out there, you're going to see some water babies. I think that's what they're called, water babies. Anyway, so like, yeah, like I just thing don't think you're gonna go see those, but at the same time, like something's going on, right? Like something has to. Well, be and going we also on. don't believe the official story that they're telling us, right? Like, no, there's no way there's nothing right. happening, right? So yeah, dead on skeptical skeptics, right there. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we are definitely in the infancy of this podcast, so if you guys have any feedback, any comments, please leave them in the um, comment section. Please rate us so that we can get kind of up there um and reach out via twitter or the ratings anything you want give us some feedback um 
if we get a certain amount of followers, we might go do a live ghost We're hunt. We're not talking about that yet. <laughs> Don't put that on there yet. That needs to be for later. You're not going to torture me this early. No, on. it's going to be great. So if we get, let's say, a hundred no, 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 no. Seriously, I don't want to start followers. this yet. I don't want to start this yet. This needs to be later on when we're actually more established and we have more people. Ugh, whatever. Anyway, so um, please provide us that feedback. Give us some support. Um, help us out. Um, we're just trying to get up there. So give us a like. Just or listeners rating. trying to give other listeners something interesting to hear about. Right. And if you happen to be someone that uh, just knows us but doesn't give a crap about the comment and content, uh, please go ahead and subscribe and download mm-hmm. anyway. Because we don't care if you listen. Even we if just you don't care listen, you it just helps us by moving us up the charts so the people who are interested in this content um, could listen. And, you know, if there's anything from like a crap perspective that's kind of bothering you guys like let us know like like i said we're new to this so it's pretty much the same as if any of you guys also we are this. always open to new stories we're always yeah, open to so new stories. ideas we have not heard all the crazy out there and if anything i if i can gain something super awesome from this it would be to learn new crazy stories that people don't know about and that also so. includes personal stories so we would like to you know if we get a decent following at all um do some listener story content um That'd we would cool. like you know maybe even like uh open up a voicemail hotline you guys could call in tell your own story um that type of stuff so um please just reach out to us uh, let us know if this is anything you're interested in and we will definitely be receptive to it anyway this has been skeptical skeptics thank you guys